Okay, fire away. Hello, everybody. Fire away. Oh, I was. Oh, did you fire it away? Well, I was, but then you told me to fire away while as fire I away. was as as I was fire emptying away. the chamber. If you know what I mean. Fire away. Hello, Empty the chamber. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today and joined as always by my good friend, my business partner, the lovely, the slightly grandpa-ish looking, but he wears it well, Jason Johnston Yellen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard, a.k.a. Dram Golf. Golf, Galf. Dram Galf. Dram Galf. Hi, Jason. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Cheers, 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 cheers. It was just... Yeah, you too. It was a little, it was a little chilly in my office today, and so I, I put on a cardigan. And so right. that 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 continues the the grandfatherly look. To be honest with you, I've been wearing cardigans since I was fourteen years old. So and I've been going grey since I was sixteen. So this is a look a long time in the making. <laughs> were you have, were you wearing cardigans because of the band the Cardigans? I no, actually, I didn't like the Cardigans. Hmm. How about that? Yeah, huh. you like them apples? If anyone from the Cardigans is listening, um, yeah, I never liked your band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was just a taste thing. Like you're not about to, like, <laughs> like you know, call them out on bad musicianship or bad songwriting. No, nope. Just a just a preference, a go. simple preference. I barely yep. remember them except their name. Yeah, yeah. What did? Yeah. No, it was, it was kind of a weird crossover, right? Because there's me when you talk about grandfatherly. You know, there's me. In my teens, listening to Led Zeppelin and, mm-hmm. and Deep Purple and Black Sabbath, while fostering this, you know, vegetarian light, not that I was vegetarian, but vegetarian light, cardigans, flat cap wearing, uh, heavy metal listening. It was, wow. yeah, I was just living a life. I was just doing my best. Look at that. As anybody is at that age. Look at that. You're, you're trying to, to mix... <laughs> You're trying to mix metaphors now, not mix metaphors, but you were you were mixing it up a little bit. I appreciate that. You had your own style. I was. I wasn't necessarily a, a, a straight lines kind of person. And, you know, try this on and try that on. And, and of course, I had my mom asking me, you know, every week, you know, are you gay? Are you gay? And it's funny because, you know, it's not a thing she had an issue with. I think she just wanted to know, mm. right? The truth is out there. And she was in search of it. And I kept saying, I'm, I'm not. I just like wearing cardigans in my teen years. <laughs> I think she had more issues with the cardigan wearing than she would have the uh, the lifestyle. Well, I mean, that, that's a fair statement. Who the fuck wears a cardigan? <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so, no, so no cardigans in the history of Joshua Hatton? No, but you know what? You know what there was? And this Denim was... Let's, let's. I know. I've seen photographs of you wearing the Canadian tuxedo. Uh, no, <laughs> I'd love I'd love that look, and by love I mean I hate. Um, but no, you know if we rewind the clock back to the earlyish '90s, and I was going to all these hardcore shows, you know, straight edge hardcore shows, Shelter, One Hundred Eight, Burn, Quicksand, all these bands, and uh, there were like hardcore kids had had a bit of a look, really baggy. Shorts before baggy was a thing, hanging down below your butt before that was a thing, and vans. And now I had vans. I am a vans collector, but I would always go to shows wearing, you ready for this? Vegan wingtip shoes. 
That was my oh, thing. Oh, lovely. Yep, I, oh, I lovely. wore wingtip shoes. Right, mm-hmm. right. Did you ever wear your Vans down by the river? Vans down by the river. Why do I? Why does that sound familiar? Why? <laughs> why? Like I feel like I should get that reference, but I'm not getting the reference. First off, I am 35 years old. I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Yeah, that's not like I know what you're talking about, but I cannot picture it at all. It's hilarious to me. I even showed my boys this clip from Saturday Night Live. When Chris Farley's the motivational speaker brought in by Phil Hartman, who's yeah. the dad. And he's pulling his David pants up like this. His pants. Yeah, I showed my kids that too. I don't remember him. I don't remember the van down by the river line. I guess I need oh. to rewatch it. Oh, Wowzers, look at me getting an SNL over you. That that happens yeah. once in a in a blood moon. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, you just watch it for the news, don't you? <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's the only way I keep up with world affairs is by watching the weekend update. It's always been interesting to me that they've put a, a, new, a dedicated news segment in a comedy show, but I've always appreciated it. So, And they do report. I mean, it's all joking, but they, they'll say... What? It's joking? <laughs> no, no, no. I think you've got... I think you've picked up the wrong end of that stick. Huh. So that's all serious? Yeah, that's exactly it's it. For that's, reals. that's news delivery. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Absolutely. Right. It's no less real than another channel. Anyway. <laughs> Jason, what do we have in store today for our listeners? Oh, uh, we're going down there. Da- oh, down by down by the river. In a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a river down by Yakindanda. <laughs> Yak and Danda. Oh, do you know that after we interviewed Lee and Bree, mm-hmm. who are just such lovely, lovely Absolutely people? Absolutely lovely. Yeah. I I researched house prices in Yak and Danda. Did you? I did. Yeah. I did because I because I obviously I, I love saying it and obviously I love Lee and Bree and obviously we love backwards distilling, and I thought, you know. The way they talk about their community, mm. that sounds like a community I would want to be a part of. And so I went and looked at house prices, and boy, did I find some lovely houses on some lovely land. And boy, could I not afford any of it. So that was <laughs> so that was a little bit of a kick in the nuts um, at that time. Huh. But did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever look at house prices when I talk about how wonderful my Guilford, Connecticut community is? Um, let me think of the correct way to get out of this cul-de-sac. Um, <laughs> it's a great name, great, great town. Yeah. To live in America, I know there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful spots. Mm-hmm. In spending my money in America for for the dream, the dream location, mm. it, I'd be back in the Pacific Northwest. So, to my heart. Every option in the United States is second to the Pacific Northwest. Wow. So with all due love and respect to the Northeast, which I know is is your heart's priority, Mm -hmm. um, it's all number two to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's bold number two. (laughs) Did I get out of that cul-de-sac successfully? You, You definitely got out of it. 
I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I am not unscathed by your escape, but, <laughs> but you, you remained unscathed. Mm. Here, before we, before we move forward into a new interview, mm-hmm. let me just cast our, our eyes back just for a moment. Okay. To, to a, a previous one, and not our last one. Our last one was, was Dr. Bill Lumsden right before mm-hmm. our big day. Mm-hmm. And you have had a chance to try Scorch. I still haven't, but it is forthcoming. Uh, I will get a chance mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. and the near future at that. But we interviewed Matt Hoffman. We had a wonderful, wonderful catch-up chat about Westland. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the new release in the Outpost series. Yes. The Colere. Colere. Colare. Colare. And so in that moment, we said, you know, James Foster is the resident Latin expert yes. at, at One Nation Under Whiskey. Mm-hmm. And we, we put up the James Foster bat signal. Mm-hmm. And and he responded as as he's a good lad and as he is prone to do. I wish he were our resident Latin lover. I think that would go a long way. <laughs> There's so many things to say. Um, <laughs> so here we go from James Foster. Yeah. Since you asked, is how he opens this. So thank you, James. I learned to pronounce Latin using Church Latin for singing. There you try to make all the vowels consistent and pure. And I'm probably going to butcher as I go through this. So, ah. E is E, e is always. E. Hence, colere. Of course. No one knows how Caesar pronounced it. Which is one of my favourite caveats. Of course, no one knows how Caesar pronounced it. I'm going to use that with my kids all the time. Dad, can we get 30 more minutes on TikTok? Let me say, children, no one knows how Caesar pronounced it. <laughs> Isn't that a good go-to? <laughs> so continue with James. On the podcast, I heard colere, colere, <laughs> colare, and cholera. Modern Italian says it differently, with a strong accent on the sec on syllable. And sometimes with the first E as E and the second as A. Colere, colere, colere. He says, much ado, eh? Some of us must be ex-academics. And then he goes on, speaking of pronunciation, a funny story. (laughs) I think it was in season one, potentially episode 16, Mm -hmm. That you asked Mark Watt how to pronounce this word, mm-hmm. which you and Jason should now read out loud. And you know exactly what word this is. Should we do it on right? the count of three? <laughs> okay, go. One, two, three. Cadenheads. <laughs> you finally said it right. Yay! I've always said cadenheads. You've said cadenheads. No, 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 no! Don't you, don't always. you, da- don't you dare, always. Do, don't you dare do this to me! <laughs> it's cadenheads, and you always said cadenheads. cadenheads. And I always cadenheads. said, I always said, cadenheads, even though it goes against, like 
in proper English, Cadenhead should have two Ds. And it's Cadenheads because it's one A. But every Campbelltonian I know, and Marquois is not a Campbelltonian, but every Campbelltonian I know <laughs> pronounced it Cadenheads, not Cadenheads. And so I'm just trying to bro down with, with, the, with the Campbelltonians. Well, you're going to like this next paragraph then. Mm. It was hilarious, at least to my ear. Jason always says Cadenheads, mm-hmm. and Joshua says Cadenheads. Mm-hmm. As in cat then reds. You asked Mark what how to pronounce it. He said something like, well, if you were to pronounce it correctly, I guess you'd say Caden heads. Then he said Caden heads for the rest of the interview. So pointed team Jason, if you want to be correct, and full marks to Joshua for saying it how the person who would surely know does. <laughs> There we see that, see that full circle. And I, I yeah, you can tell James is a parent. Look at that. He has commended both of us and given points to both of us, even though we say that one word two, di- two different ways. I think, I think my favorite part about this whole little segment with James, Fo- James Foster's email was you talking about him mentioning that in church Latin. The vowels are all pronounced in, in, a, in such a way to keep their purity. And then you went on to talk about not wanting to butcher uh, the word. Yeah, it's, it's butcher. <laughs> it's, not, it's not butcher, it's butcher. Rhymes with boots. It rhymes with butch. Butch, 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 butcher, butch. Oh, oh, butch. Oh, butch. oh, interesting. The root of butcher is pronounced butch. Interesting. Okay, carry on. You've made your point. Move on. So we've got a podcast uh, <laughs> guest, right? <laughs> butcher, not butcher. Butch, 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 butch. 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 <laughs> butch. Butch, 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 butch. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how should we pronounce the new Westland? Co- colere. Colere. Yeah, because because the because the first e is a cola, and the lat and the second e is a, colare, colare. However you pronounce it, it remains delicious. It remains delicious. You know what? That's 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 the moral of the story. Um, and we got a text from Matt Hoffman about it. That we did. And I'm going to paraphrase because I don't I don't have more devices in front of me. But he said he appreciated your Italian. Four. <laughs> uh, Jason, I'm tired of listening to us. Let's listen to. Do we have someone else we can listen yeah, to? Yeah, <laughs> let's listen to us, but with with Lee and Bree to break it up a little bit. Oh, well, let me say one thing. Okay. I, you always invite me, and I always say, "Nope, I've got nothing to say." Let's just go to the interview. Yeah, and I wasn't today you do don't it invite me, and I have to stop you because I've got something to uh, say. Jason. Jeez. And I, I, I may or may not say this during the interview. I may have may not have just said it to you once we once we stopped recording, or we may have said it to Liam Bree without the recording running. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to put this signpost out for our listeners, where in listening to Liam Bree talk about backwards, mm-hmm. it often makes me think of the ways in which Matt Hoffman talks about Westland. And you hear community being discussed. You hear right practice being discussed. Mm. But you also hear 
heritage grains being discussed. True. You also hear about that focus on distillation, the focus that's there on fermentation. Mm-hmm. You you hear about somebody who is paying such close attention to distillation. And it's not just a bring in the grains, get some sugar water out of them, get it fermented into alcohol, get it run through a still. Each part of the process gets full attention paid to it. Mm -hmm. And I love, love, love listening to that aspect of Lee and Brie and backwards distilling. Yeah, there's there's a certain level of give a shittedness to it. They really give a shit about what they're doing, and uh, and it's 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 evident in the conversation, and it's evident in the final product as well. Exactly, exactly. And then the final final thing, which I have said on on previous podcasts, both One Nation Under Whiskey and Extra Extra, and even on. <laughs> Triple M, which uh, mates movies and malts, is Lee mm-hmm. Atwood is the very man who coined Dramgalf. Yes, but but there was no recording in place when he said it, and so there is no audio evidence of him coining it. But when we told Bill Lumsden about it, when we told David Blackmore about it, when we've said it on any other podcast. Lee has always received credit for the creation of Dramgolf. And this recording comes from the very uh, day, afternoon, evening, when it was coined. But you're not going to hear it covered in this interview. <laughs> Dramgolf. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's hand it over to Lee and Bree, who are down there in the lovely Yakandan. How do you pronounce it? Yakandanda. Yakandanda, you shall pass. So Lee, it's absolutely lovely to have you back. And Bree, it's wonderful having you on the podcast. Um, I'm not going to lie, Lee, the last episode's felt a bit empty and I understand <laughs> why it's because Brie wasn't with us um, she does claim she's the funny one I do it was, <laughs> it was a bit too early in the morning that last one I, I was still in bed yeah. this is a much more respectable hour yeah are you not a 6am starter I'm not I'm not she Luckily, we, is not. we don't open the distillery till 11 that suits me fine I think that's a little bit early for her yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. so so I'm, I'm glad that you that you said that um, because you know just before we started recording we were we were trying to do the math uh, or as or as Jason would say the maths on um, on basically the last time we had a conversation which was just a bit over two years ago and I think you said at that time you were an operation or you had been distilling for a bit over a year at that point or somewhere around a year at that point. So here we are two years later. You have spirit that is now three years of age and older. And you've since opened up a new distillery. You've left your respective jobs. You're living the distillers' lives. Like there's a lot to be talking about and a lot to get caught up on. And so let's rewind the clock a little bit. Two years ago, 
We have a conversation. You go on your merry way. You go back to, I think you were, you were a teacher, right, Lee? Am I correct on that? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. High school teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and Bree, what, what was your profession before you went full-time whiskey? Yeah, person? I worked for um, a university and was a communications officer in a health promotion team. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And, and did you, did you did you both leave your jobs simultaneously? Are you are you still working at the university, Bree? Are you? No. So what? Well, the plan was always for Lee to finish first because he manages the production, and that's sort of where we really need to pick up the speed. He's been a bit slack the last few oh. years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so we always knew we'd sort of get him through to the end. Well, we were going to probably finish earlier last year. Um, and then with the COVID situation, we, we kept the day jobs because um, teachers sort of kept working, so that was good. Um, so he finished end of end of 2020, and I was going to probably finish midway through this year. Um, but then things sort of escalated over Christmas. We had a lot, a really good Christmas sort of sales period, and then with the opening of the distil- distillery door and tasting room, yeah, there was just no way that I could keep working my job either. So, yeah, oh, we okay. just made the made the move. Right, and, and right, and so this is what I wanted to ask you. So, so you're leaving your jobs, you're building a new distillery, and all of it seems to happen right around the time a pandemic cripples <laughs> the world. <laughs> what does that look like for you guys? <laughs> Um, it was like it was sort of pretty. It, initially, it was pretty stressful, and it was mm. a, it was really deflating because we were going to launch our whiskies, and we couldn't do it the at way a pu- we'd planned. Yeah, in a, yeah, at a public event. Um, so, it, we, yeah, we, you know, it, it, it was what it was. So we we, we sort of ran with it, and we mm. we worked with a really um, renowned whiskey bar in Melbourne, and they said, "Hey, we'll, we'll do your launch, and we'll, we'll do it online." Um, I guess just for the timeline, though, like we took the keys over for the new space January and then the pandemic hit Australia in March. Oh, oh my goodness. And then we had our first releases sort of June, July planned um, with a load of events leading up to those. So that sort of the calendar had lots of crosses in it. (laughs) And we were like, well, we're just going to have to do it all virtually. Um, You know, you'd been building up for three years to these first whiskies. We had 250 Founders Club members waiting, you know, to mm-hmm. meet us at events and uh, around Sydney, Melbourne, kind of focusing on those markets. Um, yeah, so we, we pushed back, obviously, the opening and the move to the new space. We thought, well, the distillery set up at home. We can keep producing at home when we're locked down. That's fine. Um, and we'll just, yeah, move everything to a virtual world. So, I mean, I suppose because we live in a tiny rural town, we, our website and our kind of online sales um, strategy was in place because we can't be everywhere. Um, uh, yeah. So we knew, we knew that we would have like online sales would be a big part of the release. Um, and then I think the whiskey community in Australia just really quickly moved to this online space where the bars were all doing tasting packs and sending them out. Mm. They were putting up virtual events um, and in a way, it just sort of, um, I mean, it was just a really pretty good space for us to be in because it sort of, the word pivot get used so much, but it, it, it did really quickly, you know, like um, by, you know, by June, all these winter whiskey events were popping up. We had our, um, yeah, online launch with Whiskey and Almond in Melbourne. Um, and in, I guess instead of having like 50 people in a bar, there was 100 people that could 
have sample packs sent to their home all around Australia rather than, you know, just people that lived in Melbourne. So there was sort of pros and cons of it. And we just ran with the pros, I suppose. Um, yeah, and then had the, everything set up to, to move online. Like we moved all our stock to a fulfilment house to do the packing for us. And um, yeah, so it kind of worked. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it ended up being quite deflating, but then it was great. Like people got behind us and the, the launch event was, was awesome fun. Everyone was really into it. You know, mm. we just saw a screen of faces big smiles and mm. um, it, it ended up being re- pretty cool yeah. um, and it, it wasn't really a downer at all. It ended up being really exciting and um, different to what we imagined but, yeah, still great. Like, yeah, the Aussie whiskey community is, is pretty tight and at, at that time they all got together and they just really supported events, mm. um, mm. supported distilleries. Um, yeah, they, you know, they, 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 love, they love their whiskey, they love the distillery, so they just stood up and, and, and really supported. So it's mm. great. And it's sort of continued now, like really Victoria's been out of lock. We, we went in, down, into two pretty hard lockdowns and since it's all opened up and, and that's just coincided with us opening the cellar door, we've had so many people just come in and, and just say, I'm spending up because I want to support businesses because I know what you've all been through and... Um, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, big thumbs up to, to whiskey lovers. They're great. That's <laughs> uh, brilliant. Can you remind us how far you are from somewhere like Sydney or, or another major city? Mm. Yeah, we're about a six-hour drive from Sydney, about three-and-a-half-hour okay. drive from Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so these would have been events that you were driving to yeah. and staying for yeah. a few days. Yeah. Do, do you feel like you've almost hit more exposure with the lockdown than yeah. you, you you may have otherwise found? I, I, I think that because I think, I mean, also just logistically, it was really quite easy to do all these tasting events from our kitchen table, <laughs> you know, with the kids mm-hmm. in the other room and we weren't travelling and, you know, staying in hotels and had all these expenses associated with those events. Um, and, yeah, and I think that was one thing that a lot of people said, like that it enabled people that aren't in those metro areas to, to experience these awesome whiskey tasting events that they that they have had the opportunity to go to before. Um, so and a lot of the bars really stepped it up and got like international guests on and really amazing whiskies from all around the world. So wow. yeah, I think it's something that's still continuing even though the bars are back open now, but they're still running quite regular virtual events. Yeah. Yeah, to be able to get people from, you know, three time zones away tuning in for your tasting and, you know, that's pretty yeah. cool. And mm. so, yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm sure, you know, it's probably similar um, with, with you guys over there, but it's some, some of what the industry has learned from these virtual tastings is going to stay forever. Mm. Um, yeah. And it gives, just gives people an opportunity yeah. to turn up to things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Mm. Well, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is here we are with, and we were we were joking earlier about, us being on Monday evening here and <laughs> you being on Tuesday morning and we're, we're peeking into the future. But even with the way COVID is and coronavirus is in Australia, you are all further along this, this journey than we are. And whereas we're asking this question, what is it going to look like when we can travel again, when we can go to bars again, when we can do in-person tastings again? Mm. Our hypothesis is that some of these virtual tastings will remain because they are convenient and people yeah. now know how to use the technology. Mm. But we don't think either Zoom will go away entirely or, or in-person will go away entirely. We think it'll be a hybrid, 
Mm. That's what you're seeing is some kind definitely. of hybrid as you exist in the future. Yeah. yeah and definitely. even like the whiskey bars are live streaming their events now. So they're kind of mm. doubling their attendance. So you can go in and, oh, and, and go in person, mm. but then they'll live stream it out to, to those across the country that are now on board. They're buying their whiskies online. So, yeah. It's, and it's wow. great for the, for the Tasmanian distilleries because Tassie is quite isolated. You know, and a lot yeah. of interest on the mainland in Tasmania, so they mm. can they can just sure. extend their reach so much better. Mm. So just out of curiosity, how far are you from Tasmania? Um, we're so a three three and a half hour drive to the to, um, to the ferry, oh, and to the then ferry. it's pro- what is it's an overnight ferry. So I don't, I'm not sure. You can what. fly. You can fly from Melbourne to Hobart in like yeah, half can, an hour. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's pretty. The sea's pretty rough, so the ferry's pretty slow. You, it normally goes overnight and arrives in the morning. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this yeah. makes me feel so good. Geography. <laughs> I, 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 I thought I was just the one dumb American who didn't know anything about down there. And, and Jason just, just confirmed. I'm it. sorry, Joshua. I didn't know the ferry from Melbourne to fucking Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, let, let's get back to to the part where you. You got the keys to your distillery in January 2020. What does that mean? That's your doors are open and you can start distilling or that's when you have the building and now you're building it out, now you're building it out to be your new distillery, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. sort of planned the the fit out. So it was an empty shell, like a yeah, an empty space that we had to then plan and move the production zone and taste and tasting room into. Yeah. So I don't think we've ever asked this question before. What are the considerations that you have to make when figuring out, okay, this is where my stills go. This is where my washbacks go. This is where Mm. this other apparatus goes. Is that, A, how do you figure that out? Uh, What does the process look like? Did you have outside consultation to help you? What all went on there? Yeah, so, yeah, it's a pretty... It's, it's a really tricky time because you sort of feel like you get one go at it and you, want, you really want to get it right. So it's pretty, those decisions you spoke about, you know, where, where the washbacks go and where, where the mash tun goes, it's all, you know, I, I, I thought about it for hours and hours and hours on end and, and reworked it and, um, it and you can, you know, you sort of seek out advice from the industry and from friends in the industry, but really it's sort of particular to the way you do things. So you do get great advice, but sometimes it just doesn't work for you. So, yeah, and I, well, there are a lot of other considerations with the building, I suppose. The building wasn't purpose-built for a distillery. Um, yeah. You know, and in, our, in the old distillery, you know, that wasn't either. We had a concrete floor and you spill stuff on the floor and it stays there. And, you know, so we wanted to think, we wanted to design something where... You know, where I make a mess around the mash tun, around the washbacks, that it all is going to go down the drain and, um, you know, things and, and a lot of safety considerations. Like, you know, I had hoses and things all across the floor and it was just a nightmare. It was a space for me only and <laughs> anyway, everyone else, yeah, don't come in here. Um, so to be able to sort of have something presentable to the public but also safe. Um, so, yeah, we, we ended up having to do some pretty... Um, pretty gnarly things with the floor. You know, we had to raise the floor. We had to dig big pits in there for drainage. 
Uh, mm. All the plumbing and all the electricity is now in, a, in sort of a subfloor that sits above the old floor um, just to get everything out of sight and nice and neat. And mm. um, we had a really, uh, it was actually one of our close friends who is, um, he's, he's a local builder here, but he's also very technical technically minded and he's very interested in distilling so he was the perfect guy to get on the job mm. um, he just had great ideas and un- and the fact that he understood the process and what I was trying to do um, just meant that he was sort of the pers- perfect person to work with um, yeah so and the it, other thing mm. I guess was having the production zone and the public tasting area as one um, essentially like that just added a whole nother bag of yeah. issues in terms of keeping the space really safe and, yeah. Yeah, so that was all, our idea was to always you, to have people in the still house and to do that in this country, you, um, yeah, you have to, there's certain standards obviously that you have to be able to achieve. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we sort of really worked hard on that to make sure that people that are coming into a working still house are, are going to be safe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what does that look like? What types of things do you have in place to keep them safe? It's, it's largely it's, it's largely mitigating risk and obviously in a distillery the largest risk is the, the ethanol vapour and the, the yeah. fear uh-huh. of that igniting. So we have installed a, a basically an ethanol extraction system. So basically it just pulls air across the entire space. And, mm. um, yeah, so we've got a, a sort of oversized um, ventilation system that just basically clears the room in every few minutes uh, mm. and there's fresh air. So, yeah, we've, we actually uh-huh. ran a heap of tests last week and looked for any little sneaky spots where the ethanol might like to hide and it's, yeah, it was all, it's clear. all clear. Yeah. Um, so it's worked. And low, low um, storage <laughs> as well of alcohol. Yeah, that's the other thing. We, because, <laughs> of, um, because of that, because of wanting people in the still house, we weren't able to have the, 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 the casks in, mm. in the same space. So mm-hmm. they've stayed. They've stayed at the old site. Um, Which is about 50 steps okay. from, our, from yeah. our house, so that's good too. And, you know, wow. I, still get, I still get to say goodnight to them and read them a bedtime story. <laughs> uh, give them a little cuddle every morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you'd mentioned that you'd gotten advice from, from a bunch of different people within the industry. Some of the advice worked for you, some of it didn't. What are the considerations that, that you have when when building you know when when making that floor plan is is it all for efficiency is it a efficiency and safety is are are there other factors you have to think about when planning it all out yeah it's sort of yeah definitely like efficiency is really important like depending on where you know where you where your washbacks are located where you, where your mash tons located like the the more you've got to move liquid around you're just going to make a mess so you know, if you enjoy cleaning hoses and cleaning the floor and, well, yeah, so, you you know, you, if you don't think about it, then, yeah, obviously that's going to slow you down a lot. But probably the largest consideration was, was really was the location of the stills and thinking about, you know, where the, and thinking about ignition sources, where are the pumps going to be, how to get them outside of the, zone, the flammable zone and, and working that way. Um, so it was sort of a balance between yeah efficiency and 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 probably safety. Safety probably trumps everything, but um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I think the way we've done it, um, we sort of, there's sort of two sides to the distillery. There's the there's the brewing side, and then the other side mm-hmm. is the distillation side. And there's sort of a clear line that sort of 
um, makes them both quite distinguishable and you know you can do certain things in one zone and you can't do certain things in the other zone. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, it, it's, nice, it's nice and clear and, and the fact that every, all, you know, all the plumbing and all the electrics are in the floor... Um, it just, it's really neat. Like, mm. uh, yeah, like when I, <laughs> when, I, when I spill things and it just goes down the drain, I'm like, yes. You know, I used to like, used to stick to my boots and then I'd like. It's a big stick, upgrade, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. trying to walk across the floor and it's sticky and slippery and mm. it's just like, oh, this is so good. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, you've got this, we've got a barrier around that production area, like a beautiful, you know, designed barrier um, and people can sit there and taste their whiskies next to the stills. So nice, yeah. yeah people are loving cool. that. They're really, yeah. Yeah. So when people walk in the door and there's a distillation running, and they just, they, you know, you just see their eyes light up, and they go, oh, and you can yeah. see them talking. Oh, they're making something today, and they mm. walk over and they look at the still, and <laughs> and the yeah. amount of people that think that the distillation because it's clear, they're so like they never knew that the cast gave it colour. Yeah. So, but it's, it's <laughs> yeah. so they expect this brown spirit to be running out. And they're but like, well, what are you making, gin? As I know. Yeah, but it, it, <laughs> it is really good. It's really good for that, for the it whole is. education side of it, when yeah. people can just sit there, try and whiskey for the first time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right in front of the still, it's, that the distillate's running out. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, like I, I can remember those wow moments when I got into whiskey, mm. when, you, when you go into a distillery and it's functioning and you can smell it and mm. it's just uh, this yeah. overwhelming the senses and it's, Awesome, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, you can see that happening yeah. to people. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's really cool. Here's another question that that I uh, that neither Jason nor I uh, have ever had the chance to ask anyone. Moving from an old, you know, smaller distillery to to a new building, your water source, I imagine, will have changed. Has has that affected how you produce? And is, is it a natural water source? Are you taking, I mean, you're out in the sticks is my understanding. So I don't think you've got <laughs> city water to be putting through filters and all that. So let's talk about your water source and, and yeah. what you're doing there. It's sort of, yeah, it, it is a significant change actually. Um, back at the old site, we, we, we were using rainwater. We capture rainwater and, and use mm-hmm. that for our processing and for our watering down. Um, the new site is town water, so it is treated water. So okay. what we've done is a yeah is a pretty you know fancy filtration system where we're yeah so we're basically ripping all, everything out. Um, but what we're doing, we're still using the rainwater for um, the for, casks. Yeah, basically for watering down for cask and then for watering uh. down for bottle. Yeah, so I'm comfortable using the town water for for mashing and for fermentation because yeah. I and the. The, really, the fermentation data has not changed at all, so that's a good sign that the filtration system's working well. Um, yeah, so I'm, and because obviously that's all then going in the, in the still, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Like, it, um, th- there is opportunities there to catch water, but I was going to see how how it all un- all unfolded, and I'm pretty happy where it's all at. So mm-hmm. I think we'll continue with that. That town water for processing but for any bot- for watering down for cask and for bottling that water will, will still be the same rainwater yucking down the rain yeah that we've used in, the, in all the other releases did, did, did you are you seeing a ph difference between the rain and the the town yeah this, yep yep slight slight ph not too much not too much though um the water here is sort of around like the rainwater is sort of around six and the um the town water is about seven so no problem. Before filtering or after? Uh, that, that, that was before, sorry. Yeah, good question. Before did, filtering? Yeah, it was about seven. So good question. I can't remember whether I've tested it post-filtering. 
<laughs> you know, you come to One Nation Under Whiskey for the hard-hitting <laughs> water pH down, questions. Like. Yeah. The hard yeah. water <laughs> questions. Yeah, yeah. See what they did there? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's Picking the first thing I'm, I'm going to do when we're done here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I, I don't think, you know, square meterage is going to make too much sense to, to many of us, but what kind of size difference did you find in moving from the, the home sanctuary to the, to the new facility? Um, yeah, so uh, look, so, sorry, do I, I don't think I understand the question. So in terms of like... What square metre are we here? Oh, we square metres. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so sorry. I was still thinking about... But if you just pe- tell me square metres, it's really was, not going to make much I, sense. I, I, was still, I was still thinking about pH, yeah. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad that resonated with <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we, we've gone from... Yeah, so it's about 65 square metres to 150. That, there you go. Make, I, I can do that ratio in my head. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost tripling about, your size. Almost tripling. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but with a third, a third of that's the tasting room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the production's doubled. Yeah. Yeah. Production oh. area's doubled. And, yeah, and even out with our um, brewing equipment too. So we've gone from a 1,000-litre mash tun and we only had a thousand litre space for for fermentation. We've gone to a two thousand litre mash tun, and we've got two two thousand litre washbacks or, or fermentation vessels. So we can pump out a, a, a yeah a, a lot more, which is exciting. Mm. What kind of volume are you putting out? So in the at the old site, we're only putting out three thousand litres a year, and that's mm-hmm. with the okay. uh, working in the day jobs. So this year. We've sort of been quite distracted with the um, with the opening of the cellar doors and etc. and moving, so we're probably going to aim for about six thousand. Hopefully, we'll get that. Okay. But you know, we, we've got the capacity. If we were running the still, say six days a week, we could get it up to somewhere near twenty thousand, maybe twenty four thousand. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. But that would be yeah. We, yeah, that's probably not. We're that's going to run the still yeah. six days a week. That's when we get when we work towards getting some production staff. Mm. And, yeah, right. I, I was going to say, listeners yeah. didn't see Lee looking at Bree <laughs> when he said twenty to twenty four thousand, and it didn't go over the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, th- she thinks I'm a little ambitious on that front sometimes. I just like to, yeah, set expectation, keep him, keep, keep him honest. It's it's perfect. It's 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 the look. Only a significant other could give, right? It's just, it's that look, and we all know that look. It, it's, it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. You kind um, of feel it. was it, worth sharing you. with the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could you, in, you know, and obviously you're, you're planning, you know, three-year plan, five-year plan, ten-year plan, if the idea is to bring in people, but but right now, am I right in saying it's just the two of you? Is there anybody else helping out anywhere on either side of the distillery? No, it's just us at the moment. So yeah, wow. so it's pretty full on. Like we're trying to. That's a big run, ask. Yeah, we're trying to run the cellar door. We're trying to get everything bottled and um, trying to keep production going. It's mm. yeah. Like our first, our first thing will be to employ people for the cellar door to do tasting, so we can concentrate on the production sales. You know, working towards what else we offer at the distillery, like tours and distillery school, potentially, those sort of things. Um, okay. But because we're just sort of getting out of, um, you know, all the lockdowns and, and things, there's not a lot of staff around. So the hospitality mm. industry 
as everywhere, has taken a massive hit. Lots of people left that industry. Mm. Um, so everywhere is like a crisis point in terms of staff shortage. Um, there's no international travellers, so um, yeah, there's not there's not many people for to, to employ. Um, so that's a bit of an issue for us at the moment. We've only been open for two months, and we knew the first couple of months would at least be just us until we figured out how the space runs and how we want it yeah. to run before we train someone else to do that for us. Um, yeah. So we're getting to that point now, but um, I do worry because I think there's not a lot of, and especially being in a rural area, um, staffing, yeah, can be an issue. So um, it's, yeah, yeah, like I, it's probably, yeah, hardly worth saying, but it's just those people that you want at the front of your business and, the, you know, it's so important <laughs> to us, particularly at this stage when it's so new and mm. um, so, yeah, it's it's not going to be easy, I think, to find the right people, but I know mm. they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can certainly talk as two chaps who have gone through that in the last yeah. uh, 18 months or so. Yeah. That, you know, bring, bringing in Jess, who we think represents the best of single cast nation. Yeah. And then bringing in Elijah, who we also think the same of. Yeah. But it, it took us. We talked about it internally for a while, I'm not going to attach any numbers to it, <laughs> yeah. a while, yeah. about really entrusting your brand to somebody mm. and, and hoping that they would take as much responsibility for it as we had for so many years. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Christ, we're in Virginia, Josh is in Connecticut, Jess is in Glasgow, and Elijah's outside Seattle. Yeah. So you're trying <laughs> to do this in Yakandanda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So. laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really pulled from the world to pull this off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it is tough. But but the the reason I was getting nosy about your your future plans is, what would hiring somebody on the production side allow you to do with with mashies and mm-hmm. and distillation runs? What could that look like in a week? Yeah, look, I, I think it would be great just to. Uh, you know, like there's some things I suppose that I reckon would be be hard not to do. Like I'd find it really hard not to run the seal and to entrust yeah. someone to to do it exactly the same way. He's that only I just do started it. letting me do it without <laughs> yeah. ringing me like ten times a day. <laughs> um, Wait, he's not there when you're doing it. No, I'm doing I'm doing some of the distillations on my own. But he used to call me Whoa. like every hour and get me to t- test and 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 even like put put numbers in a spreadsheet every half an hour so he could keep track of what was going on. <laughs> We've got cameras now, so I can watch. He watches on the camera. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> oh, is that gosh. accessible on your website? <laughs> Live stream. Yeah. My oh, we need the runs. we need the Brie cam. We need the Brie cam. <laughs> <laughs> I am not even joking. During the day, I would totally tune into the backwoods camera. Quite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, You'd see how yeah. much more efficient I am. I think. Than, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think like th- that. W- that would be hard to let go of, but I think you know, in terms of getting particularly help with the mashes, would be would be awesome. Um, How about the cleaning? <laughs> definitely, the cleaning cleaning up part would be great. Uh, Bree's never around for that bit. No. I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think yeah, would it be difficult, like in terms of the space itself? Does it allow for more people and more? Yeah, like I suppose the way. You know, we were sort of talking about that whole idea of it's a visitor experience. Mm. It, it, it sort of does limit the space a little bit, um, but that's sort of, I think, the charm of, of what we're trying to do. So we'd only ever really need one production person in there at a time. 
Um, so if it's not me, then yeah, someone else. Um, it, the space is not really built for, yeah, definitely for, for two or three production staff. It's really just for one. Mm. Um, but you know, mm. it, but in, the, in saying that too, um, one person can do a lot. You know, one person can sure. do a mash sure. and whilst running the still. Um, yeah, so that a lot can be achieved. It's really just getting someone in there for an extra mash a week and maybe some extra distillations a week and, yeah, th- and that'll really get us rolling. He's trying to talk himself into it, bless. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing his best. <laughs> if I just let them clean up, <laughs> clean my boots, like I could maybe do this. I could maybe do this. He hasn't got to that point yet, have you? Yeah. No. So we'll talk to you again okay. in two more years I'm and getting, he'll be like, exactly. I haven't stepped foot in the distillery production zone for like a year. I'm, uh-huh. yeah. I'm yeah. getting some counselling to, to prepare for it. Yeah. <laughs> So actually, there's there's a there's a book that I just read a couple of months ago. My wife got it for me. Um, How to Sam not be a control always, freak. <laughs> it's along those lines, to be honest. It's, but it's it's Sam uh, Calig, Caligione. I, I'm never too sure on his second name. Caligula. He's, he's I think the guy. It is. Caligula, thank you, is that thank it? you. The Rome scholar has checked in. Um, the the guy who who launched um, Brewdog. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Cut that. Oh. Nope. Not that. That's incorrect. Right, try that again. Um, the guy, the guy who founded and ran Dogfish Head in Baltimore, ah, yes. Maryland. Okay. Don't know them. We don't know and them. It's, we know brew dogs. It's, mm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was cut, Bree. That was cut. <laughs> now I have to leave it in just for this old misunderstanding. Oh, there's how the sausage gets made. Jason makes a mistake. Such an amateur. Joshua cuts it out and Bree puts it back in again. Um, so, but, it, but it's him talking about when you start out and you're in full control, but in trying to build and grow, you have mm. to entrust your brand to other people mm. and you have to let them start telling the story. It was it was a good book. I, I don't read I really don't read any business books. <laughs> um, this was a good book on building a business. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I thought he was pretty straightforward on it. But yeah. one of the aspects there is how to let other people yeah. help you how with your go. business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and to be it's it's really helped me, you know, letting Josh do more stuff around here. Yeah. Um, he you saw it coming. Him. You can tell by his face. He saw that coming a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that knowing look we talked about? That yeah. was mine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, there's my recommendation to you. I think it's brewing a business is brewing the name of the book. Oh yeah, that's good. Okay, that sounds right up. You should get yeah, into that. I need that. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's such a very good point, though, that, that you bring up, Jason. And I'll, I'll put oh, that on. Uh, I'll put that on repeat. Um, yeah. you know, it, <laughs> that's, get, that's getting lost in post. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it feels as if you guys found yourselves at a crossroads somewhat recently. The crossroads is: do do we do we take this leap of faith? Do we leave our positions? And, and, and buy a new a new facility and, and just say, now, now this is how we're going to direct our lives. And before I go on with this question, because it is going to take us a bit outside of what we're talking about, and I have a feeling you're going to bring this up again, so I want to be certain. You, you mentioned cellar door a few times. Yeah. And so what is, what is cellar, as an American, a cellar door is different from what, what you're saying? 
I think. What is a cellar door? Ah, uh, right, yeah. So it, Yeah, because you can interchange distillery door and cellar door as uh, sort of this, yeah. But they get, it gets interchanged a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, we, I guess we just sort of caught that from the wine industry around here. They have yeah. cellar doors where you go and do your tasting oh, from okay. the cellar. Ah, yeah. yeah. Ah, See, okay, I prefer to okay. say tasting room. Because yeah. I feel like it's a better example of what we offer. Yeah, um, yeah, good point. Gotcha. Yeah, but we do interchange gotcha. the three things. Tasting room, cellar door and distillery door all get <laughs> mixed up. Yeah. Okay. So, mm. so okay. You're, you're at a crossroads. You left your, your old jobs. You started a new distillery. You have a new cellar door. Another crossroads, I imagine, isn't too far away as you're looking a year, two years, five years ahead. And and I'm curious, like, do you feel as if as if you're there? Do you? Ha- I guess my question is that I'm very. Sometimes it takes me a while to get to my point. But my, oh my God, I need shut up, drama. Jason. Holy Jesus Christ, moly. My question is, and this is this, this is, is like the only to Jason Bateman. This is the only way I can get Jason to drink is I just carry on until he pours. Oh my it. God, okay. <laughs> I do apologize. I'm, I'm just going to pour some Star Wars while Joshua is asking <laughs> yeah, yeah. this. Just put him out question. of his misery. It's not a question. You know, my, 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 so my question is, what's going to push you over to bringing on those, those new hires? Like, how long do you want it to be a Lee and Bree thing until it mm. becomes something where now you have... I mean, you have dependents now. You've got your kids, but soon you'll have employees as dependents. Like, what is that looking like for you? Are you even are you even there right now? Thinking yeah, about yeah, that? we are definitely. We talk about it every day, and I think the one <laughs> yeah. So we just wanted to get a couple months into to running the tasting room to see how that would go. Because um, you know, it's not a given that it's going to be popular or busy, but luckily it, mm. it has been. Like we've had that. We're getting really good word of mouth from yeah. local people. So we're kind of full every day and we're selling enough and that's all going really well. Um, but then there's so many unknowns still, so we don't know how the winter will look like here, you know, because we're going into winter now. Um, it could either be really quiet in terms of visitation or it might be really busy if we get a good snow season. Um, you know, there's snow mountains nearby, so we get a lot of that sort of tourist traffic. Um, yeah. So it's, you sort of think, should we put someone on now or do we just wait and get through the winter um, mm-hmm. and run the cellar door ourselves and just you keep, you know, keep making whiskey? And yeah, so I kind of, we're, we're kind of, we, we say, yep, let's, let's start advertising this week so we get the right person and then we'll pull back and go, but what if winter's really quiet and we're paying someone to do what we could do? Um, so yeah, it's just, sure. there's a lot of to and fro about that at the moment. Um, yeah, but um, I think certainly like what we're doing at the moment is not sustainable for too much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, yeah, there's just too much to do. And, um, you know, we, we've got a, a lot of nice problems in that we're just selling loads of whiskey and um, we, we, we don't have, we're just running out of time to do things like bottling it and trying <laughs> to, you know. Um, yeah, so we're, we're in a really good place, but it's just not sustainable. And I guess we, we're still finding the groove of, of what we do and how it looks and then... Mm. Then we'll be able to pass that on to to others. Um, and our limitation is still and always the volume we currently have. <laughs> like um, we've talked to Josh about this before. It's just it does limit us in how much. Like we want to push the the you know the tasting room, but at the same yeah. time we pretend, if we were to sell too much whiskey next month, we have no whiskey <laughs> after that. Mm. You know we can't mm-hmm. magic up more whiskey at the moment. It's like 
<laughs> We've just bottled some more single malt. That's got to last us till August at least. So it's sort of this, yeah, like yeah. it's a really hard thing it's... to manage. We can't, we, at the moment, we can't even do an online release because we know our online sales go so well. But then we'll, the, the, the stock at the tasting room, you know, will be um, compromised. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough position. It's so, yeah, it's sort of the price we've had to pay for mm. just keeping it my own part team. You know, um, mm. I th- and, and doing it the way we've done it, keeping our day jobs and just making as much whiskey as we could on the weekends. For, you know, we did that for three years. Um, yeah. Mm. That's the, you know, that's the price. But I think it'll pay off in that backwards is ours and, you know, and, you know, it's hard. We're, we're a little bit short on stock at the moment and for the next little while, but... Mm. Um, I, we need to make sure we're not saying this again in three years. Yes, yeah. It just yeah. occurred to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh-huh. like I'm giving myself a it's a business coaching session. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Although to to be honest with you, we're having conversations with Scottish distillers that have been in the business for a hundred years, and they don't have enough liquid. Yeah. And so the the entire industry goes through peaks and troughs. Yeah. You know, it, it's a constant round of swings and roundabouts mm. where you're you're trying to hit demand and demand goes away for a little bit and so you're sitting on too much stock and then demand comes back again but you pull back on production. <laughs> the, the whole industry at, at any given time sounds like it's doing the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it is interesting listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one's cracked it yet. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. Diageo has not cracked it yet. So. Um, but it's interesting in listening to you both like I can't help but think about David Perkins and High West in some ways, mm. where there he mm. was in Park City, dependent on snow season. Obviously, Sundance didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then also just up the road from me, Scott and Becky, who we talk about all yeah. the time, yeah. and the way they had jobs and then left them and built, and they are they're just over a decade into this now, and they are playing that game of. What does production look like? What does demand look like? Yeah. Um, and and so these these are people we absolutely cherish. And so c- comparing you to those people is nothing but a compliment. Even yeah. business aside, it's yeah. nothing but a compliment. Um, but I've I've got a few questions. I'm going to try and roll up into one here, and it's it's going along the lines of the bottling, the online world. So. I'll try to ask my question quicker than Joshua, even though it's three parts. Um, <coughs> thank you. And so two people laughed. Um, that'll do. <laughs> so we've, we, we've been talking through, through COVID, coronavirus lockdown, the loss of tasting rooms in the US yeah. um, about direct-to-consumer sales. And you were mentioning earlier about wrapping up some packs and getting them out the door. So, so what does direct-to-consumer sales look for you? Um, how do those online releases look for you? Um, and, and, and so maybe it's, a, maybe it's a two-parter for the moment and then I might have a wee follow-up as you get through the first couple of parts. Hmm. So I suppose, <clears throat> well, we're talking like, I think, that, what's our biggest online release? It's been maybe 400 bottles. Oh, the first release was... About a thousand, but oh, that's true. Yeah. But so what we've done is, I guess, um, the, so the first release that we had in August, it was we decided, and it was actually, I don't know if it was a very strategic decision. It was more about 
we don't have time to do two separate releases, so we're just going to release our single malt and our rye side by side and see how that goes. <laughs> so we're, they were both bottled and ready. We had about 400 bottles of each. Um, and we just thought we're going to release them together on the same night. And, you know, the single malt lovers that we know are everywhere, they might buy a bottle of rye as well. And so we kind of had that five-week lead-up to, to that um, first release. We just, we just used our socials, basically. There was a, we did a couple of, like, online events. And then we launched it that night and they sold out in 24 hours. Um, and a lot of people <laughs> bought a bottle of each. So a lot of people that had never mm. bought a rye bought it along with the single malt to have that sort of twin set of a first release of a small, you know, batch distillery. So that sure. worked really well. So then we were like, okay, well, this surely we can't follow this up. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, that's kind of like, you know, a good first start. But like everyone said to us, look, you'll sell out your first release. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Like people will buy, but, you know, good luck with the next couple kind of thing. <laughs> and then the second release we decided to do was in October. So it's only a couple of months later. Um, and it was a single cask release, so we only had about 150 bottles. And we sold that out before it went on sale. So I put the shopping cart up live, like I think it was half an hour before the release date, the release time, and everybody was waiting online to buy it. So it sold out before I could actually do the... We were having dinner. We were having dinner. I thought, I'm just going to set it now because (laughs) I might forget... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, then, uh-huh. and then the next thing, my phone's, like, pinging with these PayPal things. Like, you know, I was like, people are already buying it. Like, they're sitting online waiting for the shopping cart to go up. So um, so that one went really well. And then the next one was just before Christmas, so start of December, and we did the same thing. We did a single malt and a, and a rye. Yeah, did we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we also had the gin that we released. That came out then mm. too. Oh. Um, okay. And it was the same thing. We sold – the single malt sold out super – yeah, like – really fast in it in that day um and the rye like the rye goes really quickly and then the last 20 bottles (laughs) like just sit online for another few weeks until they kind of trickle out so um yeah but it was only like the last 20 bottles or so it's like people just assume that it's sold out so then you've got to go Uh you know there's still 20 bottles um so (laughs) it's just been we've just got this sort of um i guess group of followers that are buying each of our batches and when we're talking like a couple hundred bottles of single malt or it's, it seems to be, it's not, it's not, it hasn't been too difficult to sell it just via social posts and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how that's looking. And the, the red gum. Wow. Oh, the red gum, yeah. yeah. Uh... So then we had our red gum aged whiskies that we released. When did we release it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Six weeks ago. Six weeks ago. <laughs> what day is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, March? March-ish? Yeah, March. It was March. In, in so COVID a, times? Yeah, yeah, we had 100 bottles of, of a single malt, 100 bottles of a rye, aged in the red gum casks, and they sold out in eight minutes. Um, and they were a lot higher Amazing. priced than our standard whiskies, so we were kind of nervous. We thought maybe the price point will kind of slow it down a little bit, but no, it didn't. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, that's where we're at with online. Now you sound like so. our accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so online, you know, we've got enough of a of a following that, that we know that our batches will sell out when there's still only that couple hundred bottles each time. Um, so now our, our problem is now that we have the allocation for the tasting room. Yeah, um, mm. and yeah. that's taken yeah. that's yeah. taken priority. Obviously, we want people to visit us and have a taste and, and be able to buy bottles on site. So now we're kind of stuck a little bit 
in terms of online, but we've got this following of people that want batch four, which batch four is out mm-hmm. now at the distillery and mm-hmm. we're getting emails. When are you putting it online? I'm like, I'm probably going to only have about 30 bottles. <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah, so I'm nervous because we, I spend like a week after a release fielding all the, que- all, the, all the phone calls and emails about people that missed out. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. yeah, and they're never, they're never very happy about it. So yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. uh-huh. And, here's, and here's the thing that, that we remind ourselves of: no matter how big you go in a batch, you're still going to get those emails. Yeah. yeah, we we did we did 1,200 bottles of a 24 year old bourbon mm-hmm. for 300 US dollars a bottle, wow. and sold out in nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. and oh my God. and we we got emails from people saying, and we that was in November. This is now the end of April, beginning of May. We still get people asking us, yeah. any bottles of that available? <laughs> yeah. and, and we thought, we're selling 1,200 of these. Like, we're yeah. going to make people happy. Yeah. The emails still yeah. come in. You yep. still. And, <laughs> yeah. and that, you were talking about it earlier, Lee. That's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. The yeah. support is phenomenal and, and very much appreciated. Yeah, mm. definitely. But you, you just simply cannot make everybody happy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 that's, you know, and I can see the problem that you've got there where you've got people who have supported you online. Mm. If, if I'm in Australia and I've supported you online, and I, I do have, thanks to Joshua, your first, your first <laughs> rye in front of me, thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing. And, and, but I, I could see as a supporter of you, I can understand that you need to have a tasting room bottle. Mm. I can understand that you need to sell that to people who come through your door. At the same time, I might place a cheeky wee phone call to yeah. you and say, is there any chance? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so yeah. like, I, I get it. And I, I would certainly hope your supporters would get it, mm. that, yeah. that you do need to grow and you do need to have different kinds of op- offerings. You know, when Josh and I go to Scotland, we get the Glen Murray fill your own that's only at the distillery. Yeah. We go to Brookladdy and get the fill your own. We go to Kilhoman and get the distillery only. These are parts of being a whiskey fan. Yeah. That yeah. it's fun to travel and pick up additional bottles. So what I'm saying is good luck, but um, <laughs> but stick to your guns. You can do this. We believe in you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Thanks for the pep talk. Yeah, yes. You know, we've, we've, we're all living a life. So, yeah. so Roland, the, the direct-to-consumer, what's that look like? Given that the U.S. struggles with that and craft producers in the U.S. struggle with that so much, what does D2C look like uh, for you all? In, in terms of, like, logistically or...? Legality, um, oh, logistically, um, just the so very it's only, existence it's only of de- it. Like we could only through, we can only sell to in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, and legality. But it's not even by territory. Like you've you've mentioned yeah. Victoria oh, no. yeah, a few Australia times. Wide. So you're in Victoria. Yeah, we're in Victoria, so there's no. So you can go outside Victoria's borders, no worries. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah we can fair, sell through yeah, like fair. nationally, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. the, like, I know I've heard you guys chat about the issues in the US and from state to state. Yeah, oh, we, okay. we don't have any of those issues. No. Um, it's, yeah, we, we there are actually st- there are states you cannot ship within oh. as a as a craft distiller. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. No, yep. I did not know that. No. Yeah. <laughs> so we we have a fulfillment house that we use. Um, that's one thing we outsource is the packing, picking and packing of the mm. bottles. So we send a couple of pallets to Melbourne. We send them all the orders the next day. 
they pack them and, and ship them out from Melbourne. So it's pretty oh, much brilliant. once the online release will go, usually 8 o'clock on a Monday night, I'll put the orders through on the Tuesday. They're usually all received by Friday. The, yeah. The, the issues, mm. Oh, gosh. The, the issue we have here, <laughs> oh. I don't know... Um, yeah, I don't know whether we spoke about this last time, but we pay loads of excise tax. So yeah. You yeah. did. You mentioned you did, it, but yeah. only in passing, and you certainly weren't frustrated by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you seem fully comfortable with it. Fully. Yeah, yeah. You were so, very supportive of your local representatives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that sound totally. familiar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, sounds better. Really, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it's great. We can we can sling our our grog around around the country, but we certainly do pay for it. We yeah, we pay we pay three times more than the Kiwis across the ditch, and we pay up to ten times more than some US states. So it's, um, it, there's a there's a real campaign there's a real a, a campaign developing in Australia now to try and um, mm, to change it because yeah. it, it increases twice a year as well. So it's not like it's oh, slowing wow. down. It's, it's um it's wow. that's really putting a handbrake on on mm. the industry. Um, yeah, which is yeah. Do you are there are there ears open to that? Are there mm. representatives it's, who would like to slow this down or or put yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's actually in the last sort of twelve months, it's it's got more traction than it ever has. Um, mm. I think because we got a reprieve during COVID for six months, and then yeah. and then it's just started going uh, back up again. But it's been spoken about on the floor of of Parliament, so we're, that's a big step. So mm. um, yeah, so hopefully. That just keeps gaining momentum, and and really, we need sort of more consumers getting behind it as well, which that which they are. The more they learn about it, and the more pressure they can they can put on the government, then mm. yeah. And I suppose what's really unfair about it in this country is that the if you produce alcohol in in beer or in wine, you're on a completely different tax regime. Um, so it's all scaled, you know, it's all kind of, it's really anti-spirit the way it, it's unfolded, and that's because it's a hundred years old when mm. there were. Lots of um, alcohol yeah. problems in Australia because of yeah, well, it was post gold rush, and, um, <sighs> yeah. So it's still that mentality, uh, and it just doesn't it just doesn't s- suit anymore. You know, it just doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, it's unfair. Especially um, like the push in the craft spirits industry has been around drink less, drink better movement, um, mm. but we're still getting taxed as if we're kind of the bad guys in the drinks industry. So yeah, it doesn't doesn't add up these days. No. no. Are, are you talking about being taxed in terms of just owning and operating a distillery, in product going out, in terms of the consumer it's, having additional taxes? It's sort what of the, it's sort of all of it. Like we pay we pay excise <laughs> when the when the bottle leaves uh, the bond store. So as soon as the bottle leaves, we we pay every month and we pay per pure liter of alcohol that we that leaves the distillery. But then also on top of that, we pay a, a general services tax. As well, so then all of that, of course, is then passed on to the consumer, and it means that Australian whiskey is quite expensive. Um, it's expensive in you know in this country compared to imported whiskies. Well, or- yeah, well, it's it's all it's really all economy at scale. But th- those, if you bring in importers, are still paying the same excise tax that we pay. So. But yeah. the, obviously the difference is the economy of scale. So, you know, if you can produce a million litres a year, you can send it in to Australia despite the excise tax mm. and, and still put it at a reasonable price. But when you're a small producer like us, yeah, you know, so there is a lot of talk about the price of Australian whisky in this country and a big part of it is is, is the tax regime. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, in some ways the excise tax does even the playing field 
because what's imported, hmm. they have to pay the same tax. So it brings up their prices. So at least we can sort of compete with them a little bit, even though our prices are still higher. But yeah, even though, yeah, it, you know, we, if, we, if we get reform, it, it, it makes everyone's bottles cheaper and that's good for the consumer. So mm. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You could you could see the desire for a consumer to be quite vocal about that. Maybe you vote could. for representatives who represent that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Thinking about the 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 product imported into Australia, I I think Jason, you and I had a conversation with Eddie Russell. We talked about wild turkey comes into Australia at thirty eight percent alcohol, basically to bring the overall excise tax burden mm. down and it's the only it's the only way you get a whiskey at 38 percent alcohol it's just mm. it's just amazing uh and and i yeah. and i would say you know the the citizens of of australia who are enjoying wild turkey are likely getting a lesser product product because, yeah. Yeah. right yeah that's interesting yeah mm. yeah taxes yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you get a, a sense, and I, and I think we, t- we talked about this in the last episode as, as well, but now we're, we're two years farther on and you yourself are two years farther on. Do you get the sense that there's a desire to have an Australian spirit scene the way there's been such a successful Australian wine scene? Mm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when we started... There were about 120 distilleries. Now there's over 300. So, the, oh, wow. um, you know, in just that sort of three, four-year period. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and I know certainly the way we, we kind of work in our local area, like this is a famous wine region, and in ways that kind of helps us in that mm. it's, mm-hmm. and, we, and we start to talk about it more than just wine, but it's a, it's a drinks area. And... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so the, the wine industry has helped to prop us up and I think it, it will really, it's, land the, it's really laid the foundation for the craft spirits. Um, and I think to be, not only in Australia, but to be recognised globally, I think people go, oh, yeah, well, Australians make good wine. So, yeah, they probably maybe make good beer <laughs> and maybe they make good, good spirits too. Because um, the gin, like gin industry is booming. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, okay. Aussie craft gin is huge. Um, but in terms of people making whiskey, that's a lot smaller numbers. Yeah. 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 There's way more gin. That's and how about those using heritage rye? <laughs> <laughs> there's not. There's not. <laughs> Last year was a was a pretty good year for Aussie ryes. There were sort of three or four that were released that are really good. So mm. it's sort not of, as good as ours. N- yeah. Well, um, but it's a <laughs> it's a sort of <laughs> it's a new category, and I think all of us mm. sort of releasing at a similar time mm. is is really all helping each other. Um, yeah. Like mm. there's a big distillery here in Sydney, Archie Rose. They they did their rye. Um, there's another big one in Melbourne called the Gospel. And yeah, they're, they're dedicated, right? Yeah, they're but, yeah. So, um, and we and we all it was all just really similar timing, and and I think it's just really helped to develop that interest in Aussie rice because mm. Australian rice are really distinct and, and different to American rice. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of I, I guess new kinds of of styles of rye, like you know you guys there have got the Sh- the Shiraz cask um, that we did, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so so to be able to experiment a little bit more with with casks and their previous contents, I think mm. is really an exciting area for more explore, exploration. So mm. um, it's a good time for rye, I think, in Australia. It's still very new and it requires a lot of um, 
a lot of education, but we're finding at the, at the distillery door, where when, when we're lining up our single malt and our rye, a lot of people are leaving with our rye and that just makes me really happy because um, <laughs> they've nice. sort of, you know, they've, learnt, they've maybe learnt something yeah. um, but they also tried something. they don't have something, anything like that at home. Yeah, they might have tried something too that they don't normally try. They're, oh, no, I'm just single malt. But then it's on the tasting paddle and they try it. And they go, oh, my God, you know, yeah. mind blown. And they buy it and it's just like, yeah, look, fist pump, like, yes. We told you. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, um, the, uh, for, for the benefit of our listeners, can you, can you remind them your, your rye recipe? Because, you know, again, I'm just thinking of our, our American listeners. When we think of American rye whiskey, right, it's new charred oak and the most popular mash bill is 95% unmalted rye. 5% malted barley. Most of it comes out of Indiana. There are obviously variations on that, but even those trying to do their own thing will replicate this 95.5 mash bill. And before we started recording and, and we're drinking your rye, you, you went on to talk about how different your rye is and why it's so different. So could you remind our listeners um, the details of your rye? Yeah, sure. So um, what's I guess what's the champion of our rye is the rye, rye itself in that um, it was actually an, an heirloom variety, um, a heritage variety that they were using commercially about 100 years ago. Um, and, you know, better varieties come along. So it was forgotten about and, and replaced. But some of it was found growing in a, in a paddock sort of in the middle of New South Wales. And a farmer found it and they, they had it tested and they, they discovered that it was, it was actually a hybrid of these um, heirloom varieties so they, they tasted it and they got a crop and they thought, wow, this is really unique and really, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, um, after, yeah, after sort of getting enough and um, being able to sort of get, a, get enough and, and, and resell it all, um, it's just, it's so unique. Like it's sort of half the, the size of a commercial variety, but it's got twice the amount of flavour. And, and that's because of those years of neglect in Australian conditions. Um, you know, New South Wales had been through one of the longest droughts in, on record while this rye was just sort of left and, mm. and yeah, so oh, wow. we, we, it's, okay. it's, kind of like a, it's kind of like a wild rye. That, and that, that was the first product we ever released. It was a, um, it was our, a new make of our rye mash and um, it was called wild rye because essentially this thing was just left to the Australian conditions and ran wild. Um, mm. Yeah, so we found it's so flavoursome and just so delicious. But, you know, if you did it as, at, a, at a 95%, it's too much. Like it's just such mm. a little, it's such a beast. So we, we spent a lot of time to ta- working with our recipe to tame that a little bit. So we, do, we, we use about 25% barley. Um, we, yeah, we can, use can I, I'm sorry, can I, can, I, can I pause you just really quickly? When you say if you yeah. did 95%, that'd be too much. Is that from a flavor standpoint or from a production standpoint and a, and a gumming up of the, of the works? Oh, yeah, yeah, good question. No, that was purely about flavor. So I, flavor, um, okay. okay. Yeah, flavor. Um, like I did, I did 95% mashes and mm-hmm. the, it, was, it was sort of overwhelming. Um, it wow. needed, it just, it, just needed, it just needed more dimensions, I think, and um, I found that the barley sort of helped to soften it and added a bit mm-hmm. of sweetness and then the wheat was almost like the wheat just chilled everything out. So all the peaks, like you, could, you can't distinctly taste the wheat, but it almost works as like it just nullifies those peaks and just gives it mm. this sort of over, it just lays on top and just smooths everything out. There's 10% um, wheat, yeah. Yeah, and then we, we, wanted, 
we wanted to give a bit more length to the finish and, and for that we've just added a little bit of chocolate malt. So you really notice that on the, on the finish and found that in the French oak Shiraz cast that we've used, it just it accentuates that chocolate note and it's really, so, it's just amazing. It did exactly, like, it worked better than what we had hoped. Like we wanted to lengthen <laughs> that, but then with the French oak, it just really worked so well, yeah. The other thing is and it's the- a malted rye. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's a multi. And, and that was yeah. that was going to be my next question. What what <laughs> proportion of that sixty percent rye is malted? Is it all malted, yeah. or is yeah. it a? It, wow. Yeah, you've, so it's all cha- you two have changed my mind like you would believe. <laughs> you really. Have. I, I remember. I remember an earlier episode where you spoke about yeah you, your. General, you know, that you didn't look quite like multiple Oh, I remember much. that too. And you were really nervous about sending them. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know what Josh is going to think of this because he doesn't like multiple <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but as well, with the, with the malting of the rye, I think that softens it too. Um, I know mm. it does kind of add some some earthiness and some vegetal notes, but um, it, do, it definitely softens it. Yeah, and the, the whole production... I guess scenario with the rise that it, it's you know it's because it is malted we we use a really similar mashing method to our to our barley but of course because it doesn't have a husk we need to add rice hulls um, for runoff and it, oh, it okay. took a lo- it took it took a fair while to master the rye to get the full conversion and then to yeah and then you know you'd get your full conversion and then it, it didn't like fermenting and it's like come on rye like give me a break here <laughs> but you know then it, it does you know the the, the high batic glucan count means it gets stuck in everything it's soupy and and you swear a lot but then when you taste it you forgive it so it's all, all worth it <laughs> the single malt mash days would be like a half day easy done. Yeah. All cleaned up, we'd be off and off, go down the river, do something else. Yeah. Um, a rye mash day, it's like, okay, we'll see you in 12 hours. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some, a bit of swearing and, we'll yeah, see, yeah, kicking in the pumps and, no, no not that bad, but, yeah. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah, she, um, she seems like a cruel mistress, that <laughs> Yeah. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I kept going there, Bree. <laughs> I, I took that sentence right to its conclusion. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I guess we're lucky too in that where we are, we're in, in just thinking about Mashbill and the, and the grains that we have available to us. Um, we're sort of right near the kind of, the, I guess, the wheat belt of Australia. Um, it's sort of about an hour's drive from here and, it's, and most, mm. most, you know, barley and, 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 and yeah, and it, most grains for, for all industries are grown really close and there's an amazing new facility there now, um, Voyager Craft Malt, that um, not, a, you know, not only do they create their own amazing malts but they also do malts to your own specifications. So oh, nice. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun too. Like you can find weird things and they'll go, oh, yeah, let's have a go at that. They've got some test paddocks, they'll grow it, they'll malt it for you. Um, they're, yeah, they're great guys to work with and just, yeah, it's so cool to have access to, you know, you can dial in your own malts. You can say, no, you know, kiln that for longer or throw it in the roaster or, um, yeah, so it's really um, what a resource to be so close to that. <laughs> Super cool. So, so this is... This is definitely a question that we asked you season three, episode three, but it sounds like it's as true today as it was mm-hmm. then. Are you torn between how much you could potentially experiment 
and how much you want backwards to be known as backwards? Mm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good question. I, like, I, I think it's just in my nature to want to try and do different things. And, uh-huh. um, and, and I think even, you know, just that discussion on the, the heirloom rye variety, even using that in some ways was a little bit risky in the, in the way that we've done mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's part of who we are. And but we are also trying to, like, yeah, create like a signature sort of backwards profile. Mm. But then, like, in terms of, say, for example, with the red gum casks, like, mm. mm-hmm. we released those as special cast projects. So not mm. as part of our, like, the rain, um, the batches, range, batch yeah. releases. So we kind of try and differentiate the kind of more experimental stuff um, to the standard stuff. I think, and mm-hmm. that helps. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are some other crazy casts down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we do. Yeah, we, 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 we've tried some pretty crazy stuff and, and, and generally it's worked, which has been great. Um, but, yeah, like we have got some other things on the horizon, like we're like talking about the malts again. Um, and, I, and I guess our philosophy is wanting just to use local ingredients and you know, there's no access to any peat around us. So we've, we've, been, we've worked hard to look for an alternative. So we've been smoking malts with red gum as well. Um, mm. and we've got some of that in cask. So just trying, to, trying those things. And, and I think the industry down here is really receptive of that stuff, that people really want to try, I think, things that are unique to Australia and being able to do that. So, mm. yeah, yeah, so you're right. It's a really good question. It's that balance of what is backwards but also... Just scratching that itch of I want to try that or I've got to try that. And, yeah. <laughs> do, do you find um, do you find backwoods in those crazy experiments? Even in the weirder ones, do you still say I, I could recognize that as as our stuff? Yeah, definitely. Like the the red gum cask is a really good example of that. Mm. So yeah. particularly the red gum rye, like that. Just that 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 rye grain was there. You could you could you could yeah. find it straight away, and you just knew that yeah. was our sort of DNA. Yeah, and the cool thing with that, because it was the exact same mash bill, same spirit as what you're drinking now, Mm -hmm. Um, just that the difference that cask made. Like, so we did side-by-side tastings, you know, of like our Shiraz cask rye and a red gum, and, like, they were, like, completely different, but they still had the essence of that rye in there. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful, Mm. yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I I regret not getting to taste the, the red gum after we discussed it on the episode, but we can't keep being the people on the phone saying, hey, could you send some of this to America? <laughs> like, we understand you have a business to run, so, you know, mazel. <laughs> we, we have had a few Americans get in touch after that last podcast and they get their family members to purchase in the releases and yeah, yeah. send and them their gifts. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've been hearing some internal whispers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it, in the interest of time, I know that Joshua is going to pivot um, to get us out of here. Yeah, I, I guess I guess the question is somewhat <laughs> similar to what we asked you two years ago, which and it may have a a bit of a different meaning at this point. What has you most excited for the future? What are you What are you looking forward to in the next year, two years, five years? Do you want to start? Yeah, no, look, I think for us, well, for me in particular, I think I'm excited that we're doing things like refilling casks and getting, so, you know, the opportunity to get first fill, second fill, 
Yeah. Third fill whiskies um, out mm. is, and particularly on the single malt, I'm really excited by that. Um, I think we spoke about it before, but, you know, down here, probably whiskies that are fairly oak driven are really popular um, and they've worked for us. But I'm really excited too to start to look at um, creating whiskies, particularly the, the single malts are a little bit more balanced. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so not only, are, you know, we, are we second filling casks, but we're also using larger cask formats. So um, last year we filled, filled lots of 200 litre barrels and some bricks at 225s. I've got a, um, I just got a, a big load of hogsheads, um, which had um, Australian apera or, or Australian sherry in them. Um, so Ooh, to nice. F- yeah, to fill some of um, some of those larger cast formats, and I'm excited about like um, in in a way, you know, keeping all the barrels at the original site. I, I think is kind of cool because I think that's a part of our DNA as well, in that that yeah. that shed get, goes from minus five degrees celsius to to plus 45 degrees celsius so it it's crazy and i think the way the barrels work in there yeah it's it's a part of us so filling those larger format in there we'll be able to get a little bit more age on them yeah i think that's that's exciting that kind of those whiskies which are probably you know three or four years away but that's what i'm excited about i still think Mm. about your shed shooting rubber bums i was just thinking I still think about that and I still tell people about that actually in my tastings. Mm. Yeah. Um, the yeah. way it would suck it in and then the way it would shoot it out is mm-hmm. remarkable. That's yeah. your first tire. Yeah. That's your first tire, someone to collect yeah. all of the rubber bungs. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a tennis racket. What would I need a tennis racket for? Just walk through that shed a minute and you'll see. And you, Brie? Um, I suppose for me, like a lot of what I do, I guess, for Backwards is part of that storytelling, um, mm. you know, element to our distillery. And I get, um, since opening the, the tasting room, like it's just, it's just been so incredible. I think after having all of our releases online and, um, ver- you know, we, we kind of could see people tasting, but you don't get that same experience as like people walking into the tasting room and, and either having their very first ever sip of whiskey with you or because um, they think they're kind of coming in to buy gin and then, you well, you might as well try whiskey while you're here. Um, and just that sharing those sort of experiences with people or, um, you know, just, just getting people excited in front of you about how you make your whiskeys and, and tasting your whiskeys and the flavours they might get or a different way to taste where it's not going to, you know, burn their throat. They're going to be enjoying it and getting those lovely flavours of caramel and, you know, vanilla and honey and um, and just seeing people's reactions to it, especially people that, that aren't, like, expert whiskey drinkers, you know, the, all those those novice whiskey drinkers that are coming in, which is probably primarily what we're seeing. Like, it's a new experience yeah. for people. Like, I had some ladies that were just out for a walk around town, came in... Just, just to have a little look, ended up staying for like an hour and a half, tasting whiskey for the first time. It's like awesome. Um, it's great. And it was amazing. And so I guess it's building on the visitation um, and, those ex- and those experiences for people that, that I really love. Like I get, you know, yeah, just like we've, we would definitely have, I reckon, like a 50-50 split of male-female like visitors as well. So That's it's just seeing that firsthand. Like I knew that um, that perception of like whiskey is, is, you know, is for old men type thing was not true. I knew it because I live mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> actually seeing it, like, with, this, with the distillery door being open um, and that, that is exactly how it is. Like, it's a 50-50 
um, split of people loving and enjoying whiskey. So I think drawing on that even more and trying to raise that profile of female whiskey drinkers um, is something I would like to do. I like your use of these people enjoying whiskey. These people are enjoying your whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I'm that's loving a hell the amount of, a thing of um, to introduce them to. The, the yeah. first time whiskey drinkers that will actually go for the rye, and I think, yeah, I think because ours is uh, it's, it's an easy drinking rye, and it has that that nice mm. chocolatey kind of finish that people love. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's all of that is really exciting. Yeah, no, you you're you're both. Hitting it out of the park. I don't know what the <laughs> Aussie rules comparison is there, but you're you're both doing fantastic. I don't know, Aussie rules, you're probably punching somebody upside the head really yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> really well. <laughs> it's amazing. But no, no like sports we, analogies that I'm going to be able to help you out with. Not, yeah, yeah. Even if it was AFL, Bree wouldn't recognise that it was well, Aussie you're, rules. You're, yeah. you're hitting it for six yeah, every yeah. time out. There you go. Like, there's no doubt about that. Joshua has no idea what we're yeah, talking he about. Doesn't. I, I know that this is a knife. That's all I know. This is a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. <laughs> but, but, but we said this to you two years ago, Lee. Like, we, we'd been watching your journey on the Instagrams. And then we had a chance to talk to you and it was it was it was love at first conversation. And to check in with you, Brie, in the second conversation has been magnificent. And and Josh and I continue to lament that we haven't made it down there, which Mm is uh, Joshua's terminology for the southern hemisphere. But (laughs) but one day we will and we are making a beeline for Yakindanda. And it's gonna Mm -hmm. be it's gonna be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I can't wait. We're gonna get so drunk together. It's <laughs> yeah. not even going to be funny. It's so true. Well, you've, you've got, an, invi- you've got an invitation now, so if, if you don't come, it's, it's going to be rude. So yeah. you have to, <laughs> the I'm glad official. there's an invitation because yeah. I am thoroughly coming. There's no doubt about this. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, yeah, but um, guys, thank, thanks to you too because, like, yeah, you guys probably don't know how much of an influence and, um, like, you've really been with us for most of the journey and, um, you know, we're, you, you guys have played every week in our distillery and we listen and we, we love it. So, yeah, th- thank you. you. You guys have helped us in more ways than you know. Well, thanks, thanks for playing our nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> now, I guess we've got good interviews. Now subjects. it's my turn to blush. <laughs> uh, well, c- continued success and, and let's, let's collaborate and let's make magical things happen together. Yeah, Sounds definitely. great. Yeah. Definitely. Thanks so much for having us. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Our time with Lee and Bree was really well spent. I really, you know, we spoke with with Lee before, but it was so nice having Bree part of the conversation, sharing her insight with us and and just, just hearing that additional voice talking about backs, backwoods really lovely yeah they're a hell of a team and and while it was wonderful getting to know lee that first time we had a chat with him mm-hmm. getting to to speak more with brie and hear more about brie this time around was so rewarding and and really so wonderful but what what a pair what a what a couple what a team and um yeah i, I think of us and our partnership of 10 years and, and we you know we talk about this seriously and we talk about this in a jokey way we're obviously not married although it often feels like we are 
And so to speak to a, a married team and how they work, that yeah. partnership is always really intriguing to me. And I, and I, I don't mean that in any kind of facetious way mm -hmm. you know there there are times when you and I leave our our work marriage to go back to our actual <laughs> marriages and families uh -huh. and could you imagine if you and I shared the dinner table and 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 shared a and shared a bed like would we ever not be talking about the company would we put parameters in place where it would be like okay we're sitting down to dinner with the kids Let's not talk J and J spirits. Let's yeah. not talk single cast nation, yeah. right? Yeah, I feel as if I feel as if we asked that question of oh, I, I think we asked that of of Kate and Mark, right? Of the Watts mm, mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. with uh, with Campbelltown Whiskey Company and, and Watt Whiskey, and how do you delineate between? Okay, now now we're working and we're talking about whiskey, and now we're husband and wife raising our son and daughter, just trying to be a normal couple, not always talking about whiskey all the time. And I'll be honest, I don't remember the answer to the to the question, but you know, I, I imagine there's got to be a little a little acrobatics going on there, right? It, you need discipline if it if it is your uh, enterprise, your joint enterprise, right? You're both entrepreneurs, right? It's difficult to shut that off. So hopefully they can, hopefully either A, they can find a way to do it or B, they're kind of okay in this growth period, always talking about <laughs> whiskey all the time. <laughs> but also how interesting to listen to them talk about adding people to the team. Yes. And... And again, in thinking of our own situation, adding Jess and Elijah to mm -hmm. our team and, and bringing in people who take the brand as seriously as we take the brand. Mm. And that's a hard thing to put in a, in a job advertisement, right? Must care with every fiber of your being. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, there might be some labor law against that, but, but how do you hand over the keys? How do you share the the job the responsibilities with somebody that you're adding to your vision to your dream you know it's, it's one thing for both of us to share it from from the founding Lee and Bree a married couple have shared it from the founding bringing somebody in from the outside is difficult and, and I know and we've said it to Lee and Bree we're incredibly fortunate to have Elijah and Jess on our team Oh, yes. Yeah. And I hope they're as fortunate in adding people to their team. I, I hope. It's, it's my wish for Lee and Bree, and actually it's my wish for any small company, to be lucky enough to find their own Jess and Elijah who have the same give a shittedness that, that Lee and Bree have in producing their whiskey, that you and I have in bottling our whiskey, right? It's... It's important finding the right people, like you had said, to hand the keys over, right? When, when you're out and you need someone to open up the shop, who do you trust? You need yep. someone you can trust implicitly. And yep. I just wish them the absolute best as they grow and add more people to their operation. Yeah, it's exciting times, man. Indeed it is. And I really hope 
that we get a chance to go down there and, and spend time. Australia, mainland. I think I think they call it mainland Australia. I, I could be wrong. But uh, Australia, mainland. And Tasmania. Taz, which I know they call it. And New Zealand. Gosh, there's so much for us to see. So much for us to explore is, in the Antipodes, which is, I hope is a word. I hope it's a word too. I have no clue what you just said. Is there an old, is there just like a Zealand? For yeah, the, there is. There is a Zealand. Yep. There is. Did yep. it lose its zeal? And they. It did. Yeah. It did. That's exactly what happened. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy we really embraced the dad joke there didn't we we really went whole hog gosh uh, so jason do we have any news to share with our listeners maybe a couple of just very quick updates where in the westland episode we shared the loss okay. of the westland casks okay hold on like you can't deliver news without a paper boy Oh, that's very people. true. Oh, I, I don't even know right. why I just started sharing information. Let's yeah. wake up the paper boy. The paper boy didn't know either. Trying to run him out of a job. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. Life story of Playboy Penny. Extra, 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 read all about it. Me and that Playboy in trouble. All right, Jason, the paper boy has spoken. You may continue. Okay, so let me let me start that sentence from the beginning uh, with, of course, an apology to the paperboy. So in the Westland episode, we shared the loss of the Westland casks. And in the Bill Lumsden episode, we shared the finding, the discovery of the Westland casks. Mm-hmm. And so in this episode, we will share they are being bottled in the very early part of July. Mm-hmm. So, so as always, continue to listen to the podcast, continue to watch the Facebook private members only page uh, for information and, and social media. We, we will try to share some things over social media, but I think the podcast and the Facebook page are, are often ahead of the game for the sharing of That is of very true. Now, last episode, you teased that Jess may have some news to share with us this episode mm. and you uh, you know and i know that i don't have an audio file from jess indeed so indeed. that was a, that was a miss a misspeak yeah and and so we will definitely have the dear jess on but it won't be in this episode she did actually say to me in one of our weekly meetings like oh i find out i've got some some information to be sharing, and I found that out by listening to One Nation Under Whiskey. It's like, oh, that's good. I'm yeah, glad we, you're listening to One Nation Under Whiskey. We manage by podcast. I mean, who else? <laughs> Everybody does it. Am I right? <laughs> See, how fantastic. What a treat for our listeners. They find out things at the same time as our employees. How, how delightful is that? We talked about this being a transparent podcast from the beginning. Here we are. Can't get more transparent than finding out at the same time as the people who work for and with Single Cast Nation. You know, I will. Uh, l- let me add one little bit of news here. Um, and and if we've mentioned this before, then then you get to hear it all again. But our retail release number seven 
is, and that's retail release number seven for the U.S. is it's about to get in the air. It is in the air. It's 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 about to hit U.S. shores, so you should be seeing that hit store shelves within the next few weeks. Really excited about that. Along with that shipment is our 17-year-old Orkney from a Sherry Butt. And that one is not a retail release. That one's our, our online release. And so we're going to be selling those one per person. I think, I think we, you know, as I'm, as I'm mentioning this, I feel as if we have mentioned this before, so I'm just going to reiterate it. We're going to be selling that one per person. It's in collaboration with the Water of Life film. Uh, our friends uh, Greg and Fiona and uh, Alphonse out there um, and Trevor. And so we're collaborating with them and their movie. And that will go on sale. I don't know when that will go on sale, Jason. Sometime in July. How's that? Is that, is that good for you? It is. We will be speaking with, with Greg of Water of Life Film, Greg Schwartz of Water of Life Film for the next One Nation Under Whiskey. Yes. And that will be before, right before the sale of this wonderful Orkney cask, which, need to boot it, it is a fantastic bottling. And now I do remember talking about this because I remember comparing it to some of those early 2000s single cask bottlings of of a distillery called Highland Park. I, you know, ours is from an Orkney distillery. Uh, it's not from Scapa, but it is, it is from an Orkney distillery. And uh, similar to what Highland Park did in the early 2000s, we're releasing a cask of similar luxurious qualities. Yeah. Luxurious quality. I like that a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I would say we'll put that on the label, but labels are printed and attached to bottles. But in my heart, it will be luxurious quality. Yeah. So I think that's it for the news. You don't have anything else to add, do you? Not this week, at least. Do you? Not this week after. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, should, we, should we put a task for Elijah in here just so that he can find out oh, about yeah. it at the same time what, as the listeners? What should we have him do? What should we have Elijah do? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm gonna send him. I'm gonna send him some shoes, and he can shine my shoes and send them back to me. That'll be his job. <laughs> I don't even know why what? I'm having him shine me. I don't know. What? I don't know, Jason. Listen, wow. listen, listen, listen. He does so much more for us. Than <laughs> <laughs> listen, oh, Elijah. I apologize. This has really gone off the rails. <laughs> A few weeks back. We received a, an Instagram message, and I want to bring that up because the Instagram message turned into turned into a thing. Okay, so an Instagram message, you say? Yeah, yeah. So, so we got this message. Where is it? I'm I'm rewinding. I mean, actually, this goes back. This goes back to April 15, right? Which used oh, right. To, yeah. Right? That's a couple of full months. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so the message came from Colin Mares. And he mm-hmm. says, hey, guys, longtime listener, first time messenger. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he goes on, he says, so I won a, quote, guess the fruit-based competition via San Francisco World Spirits competition Instagram. The prize being 
a bottle of said spirit, which has a base of, what do you think it is? If, if, and we're talking about a fruit spirit. Now, often we think of fruit spirits, we think of brandies and things like that. Correct, yeah. You told me what it is, so, I, so I'm not going to give a oh, full-on guess I've, I've, here. Yeah, I forgot that I... But, but I will say this... I don't know if you could have given me 50 guesses if I would have gone here. I think of this more as an oil as opposed to a potential for a distillate. So if I should, can you see my screen? I only see a curly A. Aba, abacati? Yeah, abacati. There's a picture of a sloth on it. Anyway, the, 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 the base spirit was from avocado. And he said, it was a lucky guess, if I'm being honest. Turns out it's impossible for them to send a bottle to me in New Zealand. They asked if I would like to send it anywhere in the U.S. And I love this. He said, you guys were the first whiskey slash booze geeks I thought of. Gosh, thank you. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. And so, and so he goes on and, and he asked if, if, if we wanted him to send it to, to us. And of course I said yes. But he goes on. And so first off, Colin, thank you. And, and I'm about to taste this live on air. Uh, but I, I want yeah. to finish his message here. He says, um, I, because it, it talks specifically about what you, Jason, had mentioned before we introduced our conversation with Lee and Bree. He says, I hope you get to make the trip down to New Zealand you've been talking about. My pre-pandemic profession was as a tour guide and a small group tour provider. I'd be happy to assist with planning tips. And oh, this gosh. Is, and this is, this is the part where I, he must be joking because he says in parentheses, there's a lot more Lord of the Rings, in, <laughs> a lot more than Lord of the Rings in New Zealand than just Hobbiton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of us knows that and one of us doesn't want to believe it. <laughs> um, ah, so... So, so I, I appreciate this sharing. It's a shame we're not tasting this together, given the way this was set up by the, by our good man here. Yeah, I know. But you know what? We yeah. we, we have a trip coming up, and I'll bring this on. I'll bring the samples of it on our trip. <laughs> well, let's see how this tasting goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last thing that I want to say is, says uh, as it happens, my silver lining of the pandemic has been a move into the drinks industry, working as the, quote, whiskey guy for Glen, Gary, Wines, and Spirits in Auckland. Your podcast has become uh, has become all the valuable to me as I move from enthusiastic whiskey consumer and observer of the industry to now being in the industry. All the best. And Slanjava Colin, a Glaswegian in Auckland. Oh, yeah, see, I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like that. What was Colin's last name? Could you remind me? Mares, M-A-I-R-S. Colin Mares. Okay, there's yes. a name to watch out for. So uh, unlike David Mare of of the Balveni, uh, Colin has pluralized his name. He's he's all the mares. Yeah, he's he's one of one of the famous mares. <laughs> So I've poured this avocado spirit into my glass. And just so everybody's aware, uh, it is 24% alcohol. It is uh, certified vegan. And 
if you were to smell it, it doesn't smell anything. Like I'm not getting an avocadoiness to it. You know, how would you describe the the scent or the flavor of an avocado, Jason? I think of the fattiness, mm-hmm. and I think there's a bit of, and I know it's obviously colored green, but I often think of a certain greenery with fresh avocado as well. Like it's that fatty, mm. almost fresh shoots yeah, kind of greenery from an avocado. I'm just trying to figure out how they get avocado in this process. Like, how do you treat avocado flesh to get sugar, to get a wash, to get a fermentation, to get alcohol? I just... I just can't get beyond avocado oil. I do imagine it having a good texture from, from given how, yeah. how stuck I am. Well, let me <laughs> let me let me read the let me read the back of the label for you. And and again, you I think you had the the brand name right, Avocati or Abacati. I don't know. Abacati sounds better. Abacati avocado dry. Abracadabra. <laughs> Abracadabra. Abacati, Abracadabra, avocado dry spirit is a culinary sensation with its fresh green color. Goes back to a very old Brazilian recipe from the 17th century. The Abacati, avocado dry spirit is nevertheless an innovative, I almost said innovative, innovative spirit that combines sun ripened avocados, exquisite rum notes, and raw sugar with a touch of pineapple and lime for a refreshing, pleasurable taste experience. And you get the you get the rum right off the bat, like this this fresh, sweet, rummy kind of quality, mixed with that you know maybe pineapple upside down cake or the like that bruised pineapple when it's almost gone just a bit too ripe. There's also like a delicate, salty backbone, like a like a heavy, leathery, salty backbone to it. It's it's not just that that sweet, sugary, pineapple, rummy kind of thing. There's there's a heavy earthiness. Hmm. I'm gonna sip it now. It, and that's oh gosh, you just used the word. I was about to ask you is is this a sipper? Is this a cocktail ingredient? Is this in need of ice? I hear avocado, I think of lime. Is there a limey cocktail in this future? Right, so there is lime in this. There's a bit of pineapple, a bit of lime going on. I will say for for the focus on avocado, and, and I agree with you, when I think of avocado, the flavor is typically mild, but you're really there for the texture, right? Um, and that fattiness. And the mouthfeel is not very oily. It's not the most viscous liquid and in the world. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I think of the, the smoothie that I would I would get in LA on my trips, the Avonana berry. Yeah, you, which I, I I've had with you. a few of a day. Yeah. Yes, we did. We we got those smoothies and then headed south to San Diego. That was a ton mm-hmm. of fun. Mm-hmm. But the the avonana berry is avocado, banana, strawberry, 
And it's one of my favorite smoothies that I make in the house. Absolutely ah. love it. But what it really does yeah. is it pretty much makes vegan yogurt uh, or yogurt. I know social medias have been alive with the pronunciation of yogurt and wait, yogurt. Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Why do people care about the pronunciation of y- it's yogurt? Isn't it yogurt? How, how would you pronounce uh, it? What's uh, this? Yogurt? Yogurt. yogurt. Y- like ya? Like yogurt? Like a yartz, like a yartzite. <laughs> Yartzeitgert, yart yart yogurt, yogurt. So, but but what it really does is it, yeah. is it is it makes a vegan yogurt, and so eating a smoothie with a spoon mm. is a is a favorite of mine, and just oh gosh, the strawberry, the yogurt, and then a bit of agave, just to kind of introduce some sweet. Can you can you do me a favor? Can you send me the recipe for that? And I'll post it up on our, our socials because I remember that smoothie and was floored by it. I need to oh, know I, how to make it. Oh, I don't know their recipe. I just have my own. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I don't recipe. want to. Yeah. yeah oh, no, yeah, if, if you, if you like there. your recipe of it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, every, every year at Hanukkah, I share your Latka recipe that was printed in the Vegetarian Times magazine, and they still have not put the the whole grain mustard <laughs> the seeds. Bloody back whole in. grain mustard! I know, I know. It's the it's it's what t- it's the glue, right? It ties the whole room together. It's they like the dude's that recipe rug. for like, t- my gosh, what have they had that? Twelve years they've had that recipe. Yeah, it's mental, mental. Anyway, anyway, what were we talking? How did we get here? Avonana berry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the and the uh, abacati, um avocado dry <laughs> spirit. So. Colin, thank you again for sending this. It it's nice. It's a little sipper. I think it would do even better in a cocktail, maybe mixed in with the smoothie <laughs> recipe that you had mentioned. You're going to be sharing. Um, yeah, it's tasty, man. I, I oh, you want to know something interesting? Look at the bottle size. Ah, a half liter, five hundred ml. How is it? A little goes a long way. But 500 ml is not a legal spirit size in the U.S. Maybe that's why. They, oh, uh, isn't it one of the newly added ones? No, you and I've had this conversation. No, before. it's not that, and that's and that's the frustrating thing is that they didn't allow the 500 milliliter, and there's so much great 500 milliliter spirit to go around. No, it's it's still 375. They've added 700. And they added, they've added some unusual Japanese sizes as well, like like seven hundred eighty four milliliter, and you know, kind of um, off the beaten path sizes, but not five hundred milliliter, which seemed to be. Well, think about think about down there. There's so much spirit being bottled in Australia and New Zealand in five hundred milliliter. That's just like Lee, Lee and Bree had said. That's your common size. So is that bottle for export? Is it from a foreign producer? I wonder if it was brought in as a sample. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, let me answer that question. So this is made in Germany. Yeah, and if you look at the back, everything that's in English is also um, in in German. Oh, and by the way, w- there's one last thing I wanted to add here. It says... 
Um, you could drink it pure on the rocks, mix it and sip with great rum, cachaça, gin, vodka, or sparkling wine. There you go. But not whiskey. Well, you've just put a challenge in front of me, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I just had my first whiskey sour the other the other day. I um, I completed a biography of Hemingway, mm. and Hemingway is considered. And I, I don't know my, my mixology history here, so if, if I'm treading on toes here, I, I apologize. But <laughs> Hemingway yeah. is is considered the creator of the whiskey sour. And and so in looking up a, a bit of information on the whiskey sour, mm. I I thought I'm gonna give this a try. And I don't think I chose the right whiskey for it. Um and so I'm I'm going to I'm going to try again with a different whiskey. I use Glasgow Blend because I thought a little bit of that smoke, a little bit of that lime, like, mm. could those work? Nope, is the answer. So I'm going to use Oak Cross with a bit of lime and see where we stand. See, I, so two things. When you mentioned Hemingway and not wanting to step on any toes, I thought of Hemingway's polydactyl cats, and that made me laugh. Um, anyway, I always thought of whiskey sours as, as something that you would make with bourbon with, with, right. So you'd have the sweet and the sour. So, so I, so I could have overstepped my boundaries with the name here. So maybe I'm talking about whiskey and lime, which I've turned into, or scotch and lime. Maybe I'm thinking scotch and lime and I've turned that into whiskey sour in my brain. Think, yeah, maybe, or maybe that's the whiskey. I think you are correct that whiskey, whiskey. Yeah, yeah, that whiskey sour is a, is a different, doesn't a whiskey sour even have an egg white in it? And I do not do egg optional. white cocktails. It's optional. I don't either. I, it just, Ooh. the idea of it just sounds horrific to me. I, I just don't do the texture of it. It just yeah. doesn't work. Did you, re- quick, quick, yeah. quick question. Quick, 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 quick. Quick, quick, quick. Yes. How old were you when you watched Rocky for the first time? Um, my parents got it on video cassette, mm-hmm. and I I saw parts of it. So when did it come out? Nineteen eighty. I wanted to say seventy eight, but could be eighty. Could be eighty. So, so in that ballpark. So I, I would have been somewhere in in single digits, maybe even around eight. S- so speaking of Ed, oh, Edwards, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Did, I know what you, you're talking about. Where he puts the four eggs in the glass and then oh, chugs it. Did you oh, have you tried oh, oh. that? No, I no, did. Thank you. I oh, did, no, I and I threw up all up over again. the place. That's, I threw up that all over the place. The egg oh. and then everything else that was in my stomach just came out. Yeah. 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 No. No. Thank you. Frightening. <laughs> so anyway, so scotch, <laughs> scotch and lime. Let, let's call it scotch and lime. Okay. Uh, going forward from this moment, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try with the old cross. I also think the the Great King Street Artists Blend. I think mm. that would potentially work with a, a Scotch and lime. So, so yeah, apologies for setting out with whiskey sour on that one. I got us off on the wrong path. Scotch and lime started by Hemingway and his a prodigious cats. drinker and his polydactyl oh, cats. Prodigious. Oh, prodigious. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so just for our listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, send us a message. You could do what Colin Mares did. 
the pluralized uh, Colin Colin Mares. You can reach out to us via Instagram. We're at One Nation Under Whiskey. You could email us questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. You could Facebook us. Just look for One Nation Under Whiskey in the Facebook search bar, and boom, you'll find us via our page or our group. And then finally, if you're uh, if you're all about the Twitters, if you're all about the tweets, we are at One Nation Whiskey, and we're of course. Uh, never whiskey, of course, is never spelled with with the e. It's always without the e. And there's last, there's one last thing I want to say. So we haven't brought it up too much. We've been getting uh, some good stars, you know, five stars on our Apple Podcasts ratings, but we haven't received any new commentary. So if you want to mm. go ahead and leave us a, a five star rating, we greatly appreciate it. If you leave a little message uh, as to why you love the podcast uh, and we see that, we will read it on the air. So we, we welcome any and all positive feedback. You have any negative feedback, you can email us questions at one nation under whiskey.com and whiskey again without the E. Leave a little message. Message. Leave a little message. <laughs> I just heard it in that cadence. <laughs> So any more words? No, I've, I'm I'm fresh out of words, Jason. I've I've got I've got a fair bit of avocado in me, some avocado spirit. And, and it's I, not a thing I expected you to be tasting on the podcast this this episode, but here we are. Colin was nice enough to send the bottle this way. I thought it was only fair to to mention it on the podcast and. And talk about it on the podcast and enjoy it on the podcast. And and now Colin, like Jess and Elijah knows, that Guilford is where samples go to die. So I look forward to tasting it in person in Kentucky, not on the podcast. We can record while we're in Kentucky. I'm not taking all my stuff. <laughs> I, I'm taking all of our stuff. Oh, that's true. You are. You are. Yes, we've got an interview scheduled in there. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah we do. That's only, yeah. All right. All right. All right, all right, all, all right. right. See what I did there? See what I did? Oh, that was so... I'm not sure people know what I did there because we haven't given too many details, but I know what I did there, and I'm so proud of myself. So proud. Well, Jason... Thanks to you, as always, for being my wonderful co-host, my, my friends with benefits of being able to work together, and that's the only benefit that we share. Um, <laughs> thanks to Lee and Bree for being of the, course. the wonderful people that they are, making the wonderful whiskey that they do. And thanks to Colin for reaching out, for sending this, this avocado spirit, and thanks, as always, to our listeners. We really appreciate it. Until next time, Jason, listeners, I bid you all adieu. Oh, gosh. Hold on, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Yep. <laughs>